doesn't want to have a low-effort garden? That's also beautiful. So we're going to go through a few ideas today. We're going to chat about how you can achieve a beautiful garden that doesn't take a lot of effort. How does that sound like a good topic? I think that sounds like a great topic because really when I think about my garden, I don't want to spend time working in it. I want to spend time enjoying it. Yes. And really, you know, getting that balance right is hard, particularly if you've got a slightly larger block. So it's something you want to be thinking about as you design your garden from the very beginning. So the question really you probably want to ask yourself right from the get-go is what's my tolerance for garden work? How much effort do I want to put in? So for today we're going to consider that low effort gardens are just the occasional input. Um, So really trying to reduce your time you spend in it, the physical output you've got to do to it and the sort of ongoing um, maintenance and resource requirements for a garden. That's exactly right. You're listening to the On Garden Design podcast with longtime friends Fleur and Suchi, where we chat about what makes a garden great and we try to inspire and make designing accessible to anyone who is interested in gardens. You can find us on Facebook and Insta, follow us on Spotify so you know when the next episode is available and we are also on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. So Fleur, let's get stuck into low effort gardens. And I think the things that we probably will touch on in this episode are styles that lend themselves to low effort. Yes. Hardscapes, materials, accessories, and of course, the plants. So let's start off with hardscapes. No, let's start with styles. Oh, okay, styles. (laughs) (laughs) Silly me. Because I think right up front, people have this idea, they just sort of have this idea, a sort of style that makes them happy. Some people are thinking, you know, cottage you know lots of flowers and flowing and they think oh I could just throw a bunch of seeds out and I can have a beautiful garden or a formal garden that's got lots of hedging where you, know, you think oh it doesn't have a lot of plants so that's surely surely that's simple but we want to kind of debunk some of these myths and say there's a bit of effort behind some of those garden styles. Yeah that's a really good point so when I think about a, a low effort garden style I'm thinking something that's got clean lines, probably quite a high proportion of hardscape. So that's, you know, your paths and your decks and your terraces or whatever it might be. And probably a lower proportion of plants, but really high impact plants that would have, you know, some kind of architectural edge almost. So real super focal point type plants, which I describe almost as a modern contemporary style. Yes, uh, look, you know, I, I do too. As soon as I think of low effort gardens or low maintenance, then that's exactly what comes to mind. And, you know, you get to pick up any magazine and you sort of see that um, modern contemporary garden. And it, it's all about the materials mm. and less so about the plants. And the plant choices tend to be the evergreens that yes. give you that uh, you know, less leaf litter and, uh, and that perform all year round. The multi-year round performance or whatever we used to call them in the previous previous podcast I also I always have in this um in my head you know those quite concrete heavy kind of landscapes where they do use a lot of block work concrete in built garden beds often there's a pool but I'm saying no with the pool if we're talking (laughs) low effort because pools are not low effort they're also not low cost Mm. so something that is probably more about angles and hard lines than it is going to be about the soft curves and the soft surfaces and the, the the textures that are really kind of softer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Look, I think what you're really describing to me is a 
very static garden, yeah. one that really doesn't change over time. And so this is where you've got to work out where your tolerances are and your priorities because if you want to achieve that sort of style, then it's big investment up front yes. to get the bones established, to get the inbuilt structures to have the wiring done and all those sort of things and less effort after the point it's been built. So That's with, very true. with um, big investment up front might also be a higher price tag, but longevity-wise, probably a very small input. Yeah, and th- the reason for that is obviously your investment up front is because you're investing in a lot more structure and the plants aren't giving you the structure. Yeah. It's, the, it's the hardscapes, which is usually the, the pricey thing. Yeah. So are there any other styles that you would suggest? Might yeah, be well, I think what's probably um, useful is to think about the sort of spectrum of styles. And I want to kind of bounce right to the, what I think of as probably your highest effort. Yep. And so when I'm looking at um, the modern contemporary as a low effort on the one end of the spectrum, high effort to me is productive gardens. So I'm talking veggie about patch. veggie patches and orchards. orchards. Yeah. yeah, and they see they are often daily maintenance. So if you've got a veggie patch, you need to be out there picking, pruning, weeding, watering. That's kind of the extreme ends, I'd say. And then in the middle, we start to see the, the gardens that are really much more dynamic and seasonal, and they require constant sort of contribution, like your cottage gardens. At least seasonal input and probably Mm. in some seasons quite intense input to keep them looking good. Yeah, and probably moving slightly into the lower effort but still effort is the native gardens. Yes, yeah, to keep them looking good. Yeah. One of the things that I – because I always do a Google search when we're going to talk about these things to see what other people think. Good. And it's interesting, there is some school of thought where they suggest things like a, a, you know, just a meadow planting is low effort. So it really, I think, is very dependent on the context in which you're gardening. And so if you are thinking about doing some kind of naturalistic planting – know your plants, know your environment and whether that is really going to be low effort because in some places, like for us, if we were to do that, you'd be constantly weeding it. Yeah, and look, even in more conducive environments, you still hear gardeners who you know who achieve a beautiful naturalistic garden, they still have to select out certain plants that are becoming the bullies yes. to keep the balance. So there's a lot of intervention and you've actually got to be quite clever with your plant knowledge to be able to manage and maintain Balance. Um, the balance of, yep. yeah, because you will get bullies that take over in those sort of environments. Like in any schoolyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so let's move on to hardscapes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of the we, – we, you talked before about um, – I think you said concrete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's certainly – you know, it's, it's an upfront investment, but you've got – a low long-term maintenance with that. You, you can just do. hose it off. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And it's got – because one of the things I was thinking about as I was contemplating what is low effort, for me, the more sort of bitsy things you've got, like cobblestones or gravel or small pavers in, in any way, where you've got cracks and crevices or, you know, you have opportunities for other plants to get in there and seed themselves like weeds – that's not low effort. So big expanses with no seams, so large pavers, you know, concrete blocks uh, yeah. that are moulded in, in the environment, they are low maintenance. Yeah. Now, can we translate that as well to some of the other manufactured um, hardscape materials like composite timbers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're a big fan of composite timbers. They certainly... <laughs> some, some of them. <laughs> okay, some of the composite yeah. timbers. So what are the advantages there in an effort front? Yeah, so they don't warp, they don't fade, they don't... Um, you know, the good quality ones that are 
generally like a resin-based sort of composite timber and some of the ones that have a much lower percentage of the polyurethane that are not so plasticky, then they aren't um, thermal kind of reflecting. They're very, they're quite pleasant to walk on in the hot sun. So they won't get hot, hot. Yeah. Like concrete will. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, and ones that have got a bit of a grain built into them as well, they can look really good. So, so, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah, that's Um, right. There's good quality ones. And yeah, so you can have that. I think some of them have a guarantee for 50 years. Right. Which would you know, outlive us anyway. It, well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> unless we plan to live but, to know, 120. Lo- and it comes back to that point of um, if you invest in it up front, it is going to be more expensive than using, you know, a merbau or, you know, a natural timber, but it will last. That's It'll last right. a long time and all you, don't, you don't actually need to do anything to it. You could just hose it down. And, in fact, in the same vein, because the other thing I was thinking about is, you know, if you are going to put in a path of any sort or, a, you know, a hard surface, you want to make sure you're investing in the base as well and you're not just doing a cheap job with not very well packed base because that again will become high effort because you'll have it warping you'll have it you know over time tree roots will penetrate it more quickly than they might otherwise you'll have weeds coming up in it again it's that invest in something really good quality in the beginning and it will be low maintenance or low effort yeah in fact let's then talk about we talk you know we mentioned cost there let's talk about pools ponds and yeah. <laughs> water features Time cost as well as cost yeah, yes yeah um you know very rarely is a water feature or a pool or pond or whatever a low maintenance oh inclusion. totally i just done, i just did my annual clean of my pond which took an entire day and it's not a deep pond but to make sure that you know it's scrubbed out you've repotted all the plants that you might have in there You've looked after the fish, mind you. We couldn't find two of them to know what happened. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. So there are only two left. There's only two left. So, yeah, it, it's a big job. And if you want a low-effort garden, I would steer well clear of those. That said, there are water features that you can use that are pretty low-effort. Yeah. And you know, and I, I do use in my designs for, for people who don't want a high effort garden but want a water feature they want that effect they want to hit that sort of visual and oral um kind of appeal is these That's sort of oral not oral <laughs> oral you're not drinking from this no, no. <laughs> or speaking at it yeah that's right yeah no this is that's that's au oral um for those american listeners oral yeah so what i use is though that they have a self-reticulating pump system that's buried in a reservoir so you sort of put that reservoir or a sump underneath the ground and then a bowl or a urn or something like that that just has a beautiful um cascade of water and the water just keeps recycling through it's um it doesn't, you know, because it's got a big sump there, you don't have to be filling it up all the time. Uh, and they achieve what you want, but they are quite low maintenance. That's right. So there's no fish and there's no plants involved, yeah. which are the things that will, and also that big open expanse that you might get with a, a significant pond where the deciduous trees lose their leaves into, you know, and the bugs die and, the, and all that stuff that goes yeah. on in a garden every time the wind comes up. Yeah. yeah, but you know, once again, to get them right, you've got to invest in uh, electrical uh, yes, connections. You do. So you've got to have that connection with pump. And I know, you know, pump and maybe lighting, but I would suggest to people that, you know, the solar panel kind of options for garden features like that aren't that effective because you can't control them. And so you really do want to have something that you can, you know, turn the switch on and off. Um, you can have it on at night time when you actually want to be entertaining in your garden and That's you want right. to have that effect yeah. rather than just waiting for the, um, the sun to rise. So I think the other thing that you want to be thinking about, and we touched on it in the modern contemporary sort of style, is that you actually, for a low-effort garden, you want 
to minimise your planting space. You don't want a lot of planting space. So hardscapes are king. Yeah. And you do need to think about what is your optimal. And we talked about this in our principles episode. What is that balance that you want? Is it 80% hardscapes, 20% plants, or are you comfortable with a 90%, 10%? You know, so have a really good think about what works for you if you want a low effort garden. There's some pretty, and in fact, I, 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 I will put something on our Instagram where there was a very effective courtyard design. It was low effort. It was primary hardscape. It had one really effective bed, which was kind of at sort of waist height. So you looked at it immediately. You came into that or you looked at the courtyard. So it was very striking, but there wasn't a lot of it. Yeah. So that kind of thing might be the thing you want to be thinking about in a you're going, life. You're going for high-impact plants that are working. That's right. But also, you know, it doesn't have to just be a, bun- a paving and then a plant bed. We can also look at the different types of patina or tile Surfaces effects. Surfaces and textures, and, yeah. Yeah, and you might have mirrors in there that add some interest and the lighting. And so Sculptures. You've got, yeah, all these things that aren't growing and therefore aren't shedding. And Low that, effort. <laughs> yeah, and, and that aren't, yeah, that's right, don't require any fertilising or maintenance. And uh, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. And I think being creative with hardscaping is a way to really keep the effort down. So I think the takeaway from this conversation we've just had is hardscape is king in a low effort garden. Yeah, yeah. You really want to be thinking about how you're making it work for you and how you're using it to best effect. So let's move on to other sort of materials and accessories, I guess, that you might apply in a low effort garden. Yeah, well, I could probably start with... The, I guess the principle comes down to keep it simple and uncluttered. Yes. And so one of the biggest problems of like a high effort garden is too many pots. Oh, absolutely. That mm. pot, you end up dragging the hose right around. No matter how well you might think you can irrigate your pots, I'm just not. I just don't think they work as well. Yeah. I really don't. And pots, you know, the soil dries out quickly. Not only is the sort of the water requirement an effort. But it's the repotting. Yeah, huge effort, um, particularly if you want to keep your plants in really good condition. Because if they're in a pot, they're usually in a place where they are almost a focal point or some kind of a feature. And so you don't want the straggly looking thing that really needed a fresh soil top up, you know, and replant and root trim. Yeah. And that being said, you don't also have to put plants in pots. If you get a collection of um, really good-looking sculptural pots that, you know, beautiful shapes and patinas, uh, sort of colour ranges, and you kind of cluster them together and make that a sculptural feature, that can be really striking. That's true. It's got, you've got to have the right things, though, to make that not look like a collection of empty pots. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not convinced I could necessarily find the right pots where I am. <laughs> <laughs> to do that but yes it's it's definitely so thinking about using pots differently but overall I'd say reduce the number of planters and pots if you want a low effort garden yeah definitely yeah now what about irrigation oh it's a must-have particularly if you're in Australia and we're heading into a hot dry summer they're predicted without irrigation you will spend your entire time in the garden watering it's also not as efficient you lose a lot more water when you're yes. watering yeah so the drip irrigation systems that are automated my partner and I travel a lot we have one that's you know on an app we can control it from wherever <laughs> we are in the world it is fantastic it's definitely uh, what you need something like that if you want low effort yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I hardly do a design now that doesn't have irrigation built into it. 
And, and you know, you don't have to turn it on. No, you know, if we no. just like the last three years of wet, I just said to my, most of my clients, turn off that irrigation. Well, <laughs> enough water. This is the thing with our app; it's actually calibrated to the weather systems, and so it will actually automatically adjust based on algorithms depending on what the weather forecast is, which yeah. is usually pretty good. So there you go. Tech, let technology do That's the walking right. for you. That's exactly right. There are good things about technology. That's right. But I think while we're on irrigation, the other key one for me is mulch and using mulch to the best effect. Now, mulch is a resource input. You know, you have, when you have your mulching day, it's <laughs> yep. a big effort. It is a big, a big so effort. So how can we avoid that? Like, you know, I think of mulching as like, oh, I've got to walk, get it get it around little buckets, around little plant. You know, you just – Pay someone hard. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. And it, it, look, it's a big investment. But if you get – and I think the thing is if your soil is good, if you go for a coarser mulch, it lasts longer. Yeah. But you also need to put it on to a depth that is reasonable so that it won't disappear straight away as the you know all the good things in the soil break it down. So the two things, keep it coarser and also put it in, you know in 10 to 15 centimetres thick is sort of the, the standard to make sure that it doesn't disappear in a nanosecond. Yeah, yeah. So I think mulch paths, they can be quite an effective feature as well because yeah. we talked a lot about more the hardscaping paths but a low maintenance path could be a mulch path if you keep a heavily thick mulch on it you could but you're a naturalistic you, garden yeah you will always get weeds in it though that's mm, the reality yeah. i mean as soon as it rains and you know it's nice and warm a we uh, some seed will find its way into your mulch path yeah so i guess that's the trade-off because it's not as much of an investment up front obviously and you can keep adding and you can make it really thick mulch that's the other thing in fact we were at a garden we were at an open garden last weekend uh, which was very much a, a native type of open garden it had a mix but primarily natives and they used mulch paths and it was actually to good effect it really fit with the feeling of the garden and that native uh, element but I'd say you want to be thinking carefully about whether the mulch is the right thing for you in your path. Yeah yeah and maybe mulch is a lot easier in terms of maintenance and and effort than ground covers which you've got to keep on top of. Yeah that's right because they always grow outside of the edges that they're meant to stay within. Yeah even (laughs) though I think they look really pretty. They do they do. (laughs) And you've got to pick the right ground cover one that's not going to just take over. Yeah that's right or die. Yeah. (laughs) That's the other thing with uh, ground covers. So what about some of the other materials particularly what about wood how does that what would you be suggesting about wood in a low effort garden? Well, I think you've got to make a decision with wood. If you're going to go, you know, if we're talking about natural timber, if you're going to go for natural timber, let it be natural. So, you know... Just let it be. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, because I, I, I have a beautiful deck. In fact, we both do, which is in natural timber, Merbau, but it is a maintenance Hard headache. Work, yeah. you know, and to keep it looking good, there is a about two days a year of oiling, cleaning it back, oiling it, double coat yep um there's all the cost of the oil um there's cost of your time and so it's not low maintenance in any way no, it's high effort it is. you know sure there's a bit of a return on that but if you want to go low maintenance you've got to decide to okay i'm going to go for a timber like um say fire pit seating yes where you get those reclaimed timber wharf posts for example sort of mount them on a <clears throat> some weathered steel and make they, they look great and you just got to celebrate the fact that it's just natural that's right. try and coat it's it silvering. or paint it yeah it's, it's aging that's right um and that really looks beautiful in the right context 
And then that's a low maintenance feature. I think that's right. You've got to be really discerning with timber. The other thing is if you're going to go for an outdoor setting that is a timber outdoor setting, if you want a beautiful silvering effect, you go for a teak setting because they that silvers beautifully and it wears beautifully and it stays solid. Some of the other timbers just won't pass the test of time if they aren't treated. So you do need to know your timber if you're thinking about just leaving it go natural. And I think the other thing for me is just, and this is a really silly one, but... If you are going to put furniture in your garden, you probably want to be thinking about covers for it if it's out in the elements. Otherwise, it would just degrade really quickly and it becomes really high effort just maintaining it and keeping the spider webs off it and everything else as well. And in fact, if you don't want lots of maintenance or lots of cleaning, then just don't have furniture. Because <laughs> yeah, you know, spider webs just love them. They, they do. And, you know, this is the thing that sort of it kind of bothers me is, um, you know, it makes me think of the Jerry Seinfeld episode where the parents no it wasn't Jerry Seinfeld it was um everyone loves Raymond where the where the parents keep the plastic covers on the couches oh, yes. <laughs> and, and and you know it irritates the kids so much because they're like well, what are we waiting for when are we ever going to take the plastic covers off but the parents like well, it, it keeps them beautiful all the time so I think if you're going to have furniture in your garden do you I mean having it covered that would just if oh, I looked I'm- out and I saw my covered furniture all the time I'd feel like I don't even want to go and sit out there because I have to take the covers off and it I have is. to go and get the cushions. And it is. So that's I think right. at what point is that become more effort well, I think than having furniture that's maybe cast iron, oh, sorry, cast aluminium perhaps, Yes. where it just can sit out there and it doesn't have to weather? Yeah, see, I'm thinking you put a cover over the cushions so you don't have to take them out and then all you need to do is take the cover <laughs> off. But I think that's one of those classic things where you've got to work out what works for you but do be conscious, any furniture outdoors, you'll be cleaning it before you want to sit on it if you've just left it out there for a long time. So maybe you actually want to be thinking about we're just going to have a cast uh, concrete bench and, you know, we will go, we'll just bring some cushions out and sit on those rather than having something that might be a fancy piece of wood furniture yeah. or, or whatever I think that, that's what I'm hearing because, you know, I, you, know you often see companies advertising furniture for Aussie conditions it will last forever cushions yes it's like no they don't yeah that's right they, they look rubbish in about a year and um the, the material degrades and you know you're sitting on a wet cushion that's awful and they go moldy and they have mm. that funny mold look and then they also fade so yeah totally yeah. agree yeah so basically I think that comes back to that principle of keeping it simple and uncluttered yes. so if you're going to go low maintenance don't have little fluffy cushions out there yes <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know you just got to be prepared to sit on a hard cold surface that's right or BYO cushion <laughs> there you go one of the two things let's get on to the plants because I think the plants are obviously yeah. a critical one here oh you know can I just make one comment before we leave materials and yeah, accessories yeah. and this is I just had this thought about materials that backfire yes when you think you're going to save effort but it actually makes more effort in the long run. Like what? So what, what I had in mind was weed matting. Oh, yes. Artificial turf. Yes. So the sort of things where you think, oh, I'm going to put these down because I don't have to do any maintenance. Yeah. And it's Wrong. going to reduce the weeds. <laughs> oh, I know, because then you, get, you end up with unintended consequences where you've got bits of plastic or degrading and breaking down in your garden. Or, and you have weeds coming up through your artificial, artificial turf. turf. And you still have to sweep it because, you know, the, the, the leaf matter and everything else that blows onto it has to go somewhere. So it is you, you need to think hard about those things and if they really are going to save you a lot of time in the long run. And, in fact, what's your view on lawn as ah. opposed to, you know, hardscapes? What, what would you say a lawn is? You know, I personally think a lawn is a low-effort inclusion in a garden. 
because it... That's because your husband does all the work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that does make it quite low effort, I have to say. <laughs> That's a real bonus. But, you know, it's um, for the bang you get, it's a low buck. So what I mean by that is you're getting this uh, pleasure of green... It is a monoculture. Yes. And so the fact that there's not like a whole – like if you replace that lawn with a whole lot of plants, your effort effort. would just go through the roof. Yeah. So often you can have a very big space that's lawn that looks beautiful, that nests in with other garden beds that to me is just rolling that lawnmower over once every two weeks in summer. Yeah. Although if you do want to keep your lawn looking good – in Australia, curl grubs, you'll need to do something about spraying it. You will need to core it occasionally. So there are other things you need to do. You need to fertilise it. You might need to top dress it if you're really keen, dethatch it. So I guess it goes to that degree of how good you want your lawn to look as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting discussion on lawn because um, I – you know, I read a lot of you know of Facebook or social media posts where people are like, replace your lawn, make your garden low effort, put in lawn substitutes. Yes, yeah. Now I've seen a lot of those, and and really, I mean, we could talk about some of them, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're a solution to lawn. Lawn has been long lasting because it actually achieves a function that we set it out to do. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, you do have to think about the aesthetic that you get when you have a lush and you know nicely temperature modulated lawn versus a synthetic alternative there is a trade-off that's the reality and you know what i'm thinking is um we came across that beautiful ground cover at the open garden last week which is um phyla notiflora and she had a really great common name which is something like frog tangle yeah something like (laughs) (laughs) it was hilarious it was it's latin name phyla notiflora and uh it was it's just a sensational lush ground cover and I thought, Oh my gosh, I found my solution to lawn, lawn alternatives. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then I started looking into it. Now in some places in Australia it's declared a weed species. Yes. In ACT it isn't. That's why it's doing so well here. It's doing yes. so well. And the the owner of the garden, she actually said, Well, I have a barrier between my garden bed and where I want the the ground cover to stop and start and she said no, I keep it very trimmed she said because it does take over and it yes. can strangle your plants so when you're looking at lawn alternatives what might first look like a great solution might actually end up causing you a lot of grief down the track and, and more work and a lot of work to try and keep it yeah. in its place that's right so we've been on plants um, in terms of a lawn but I think the other things we want to be thinking about is evergreens because they don't lose their leaves so you're not then dealing with the seasonal um, change Things like low flowering plants, so you don't have to cut off the deadheads. Uh, if you're someone like me, we're looking out at a whole bunch of dead flowers, like the you know spent roses, just gets up my nose. So that that again goes to your personal preference about how much you want to you're comfortable letting seed heads go to seed, and that kind of thing as well. Is there other things you'd think about um, in terms of low effort plants? I think back to that great courtyard challenge that I was given earlier on in my career about um, I want you, I want a courtyard that has nothing living in it because I want it to be completely low effort. That was the client brief and I've mentioned it before, it's John's courtyard and in that I did convince him to put cycads. So it's um, so Cycas revoluta and it is sago exactly – Sago palm. Sago palm, Japanese sago palm. And it's exactly meets the criteria of what you're talking about before. It's architectural, evergreen, it doesn't flower, it doesn't shed. So it's about as and low hardy. maintenance. Yes. Yeah, it's hardy. It copes with sun, it copes with shade. So that's a sort of example of a, a plant that 
sort of packs a punch. And, and I'd add to that, things like the yuccas, they may not be your cup of tea, but they are architectural and they hit pretty much the same things. Formiums mm. also, the yeah. big, long, strappy, leafed plants, things like that, which really give you that architectural bang for your buck and something all year round to look at. I was also thinking if you don't want a high effort garden, you want to be thinking about things you don't need to prune. You don't want to go for your topiary. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so no, none of those yeah. balls and spheres, that's not yeah. a natural thing. They are highly, um, highly effortful. But some of the nice clumping plants, and I'm thinking about the raphalepsis, which is a nice and forms a very nice round mound. Some of the corias do the same, the Australian natives. Actually, it's interesting. I've been starting because I love putting in the clipped bucks of spheres into yes. people's gardens. I love that sense of kind of gives a bit of Order. structure and formality. But recently I've been switching to the Hebe emerald green, which are like these little, they the, naturally the tiny, form. Yeah, yeah. And they're, um, they're emerald green. They're also called something else. But anyway, it's, it's, they basically form their own little balls. Yes. And I find that for in, in a full sun position, something like that which doesn't require any clipping – is a perfect solution for maybe that little Japanese garden or something. Yeah. Um, so you want to find plants that maintain their shape even as they grow. Yeah. Rather yeah. than something that requires some pruning. Yeah, that's right. Some forcing. And I would also mm. say that key to any low effort garden is you're finding the right plant for the right place so you're not constantly trying to make a plant fit into a place that it's not belonging yeah. to yeah and then having to move it exactly like we we're talking about now like you say your your garden started off as a very hot garden and now the canopies are growing it's quite a shady garden that's right so all i do is move plants around <laughs> the garden trying to find a spot that they actually work in <laughs> where now they're, where they're happy so i'd have to say really limit um your planting palette if you if you want to have a low effort garden just have you know, maybe sort of, I don't know, six to ten different species that you get to know really well and yes. you can just do that one thing once. Oh, actually, one thing that did occur to me, um, I know we've got to wrap up soon, on plants is one of the highest maintenance planting choices you can have and we had a great conversation with Attila that you would have heard our um, episode by now and he said his highest maintenance job as a professional gardener is hedging. So if you really want to hide that fence, don't put a hedge in front of it. What would you do instead? A trellis with a climber? Well, I don't think climbers are low maintenance at all. Mm, I think some climbers of them take are a more lot low of low maintenance than hedges, though. Yeah, the climbers take a bit of fussing. They do. Um, however, there's other options, and I'm just thinking back to um, Alison's garden that I'm working with at the moment, and she's got a, um, a an ugly timber fence right around her courtyard, and she said it just makes me upset. I've tried to put things over. I've tried to put climbers. I've tried to do hanging pots and all sorts of things. I said to her, you know what? We're going to paint it. We're going to paint it and we chose this beautiful sort of deep lilac colour. And I said, right, from because her house, she's very artistic. So, and then they are going to be the walls for your gallery outside. Because she had a lot of sculptures and a lot of artwork. And she was like, oh, my God. She said, she said turning the walls from, from grey and drab into something vibrant. And she's so excited. Oh, well, that's a, that's a good solution and a good thing to end, note to end on. Are there any takeaways, key takeaways for you? Well, I think to summarise, I'd probably say, and I'll emphasise that again, keep it simple and uncluttered. If you want low effort, simple and uncluttered. And if you want a low effort garden, invest up front yes. in good quality materials, in built-in structures and seating, and uh, also be really selective about a restrained planting palette. I think they're all very good um, takeaways. I would add to it, ask yourself the question, what are you prepared to do? And the second question, do you actually need a gardener? 
Yes. (laughs) We'll leave it there and we'll talk to you next time. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify. Drop us a follow. Uh, We're also on Apple Podcasts and on Facebook and Instagram. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.